lawyer makes an argument for while the president, why the president is on solid legal ground with his declared national emergency in a second. Can't wait to hear that. It's it's a rare opinion of late. We got this text about uh, the President's Day stuff we've been talking about. Oh, great. Happy President's Day. My 11-year-old daughter still remembers you guys doing Tiny Founding Fathers Theater with a small James <laughs> Madison trampled underfoot. We hope you'll do it again today. I have no I memory have of that. I have no memory of that. Oh, my gosh. I'd pay money to hear that. We did that? That's a funny idea. Wow. Well, let's Tiny have... Founding Fathers Theater. <laughs> wow. In our younger, more irreverent days. I'm sure it featured the 100-pound James Madison. Let's do a little uh, presidential trivia right now. Here comes Hell to the Chief. Let's all sing Hell to the Chief. Hail to the Chief. He is the Chief, so let's hail him, yo. Sing along if you know the words. Jack, this is in the form of a quiz. Yes. How many future U.S. presidents signed the Declaration of Independence? Mm, I'm going to guess six, zero, two, or four. Well, you guess. I'll, get, I'll go with four if I'm giving those choices. Four. <laughs> Michael, that was the manual buzzer. Sorry, Jim Rome, I stole that. Do you have the buzzer? Hit it. You're, didn't you originally guess six before yeah. I even gave you the choices? That's wrong, too. <laughs> Only two future U.S. presidents signed the declaration. T.J. and J.A. There you go. Yeah, who we just talked about a, a little while earlier. Um, One more? It's a ma- I didn't tell you to turn it off. I'm the chief trivia executive, Michael. Maybe I'm too hung up on James Madison being five, 400 pounds. <laughs> but the father of if the If you're Const- about to talk about it more, you are, yes. The father <laughs> of the Constitution. So you could really make an argument that he's one of your really key founding fathers. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm not sure you can oh, yeah. get elected to any office where you'd pull that off at 100 pounds in the modern world, which is not good. You don't. One of the reasons you want people of all races and genders involved is you miss out on a lot of talent. Correct. That that's the that's the main. Well, one, it's unfair, but two, you miss out on a tremendous amount of talent in a democracy. Right. It's indefensible. And are we missing out on the talent of the, the tiny? Uh, right. Well, yeah. Smaller, certainly, you know, uh, people physically handicapped in, in whatever way. Um, who are your top three founding fathers in terms of importance? I wish Tim the lawyer were here. Well, He's I, here in spirit. I think anybody would argue you got to go with Washington first. Agreed. Of course. Uh, I say Madison is clearly in the top three sure. as the uh, pop of the Constitution. Third? Third most important. Oh, T.J. with the uh, the laying out of many of our founding principles in the Declaration of Independence. Um, you could you could cite Ben Franklin, sure, who gained the international support we needed to beat Britain because we don't beat Britain. All bets are off. That'd be a good trio. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to think about it, but that's pretty good. All right, that's enough, Michael. You can turn it off. Although we were on to the fifth stanza, my favorite stanza. Been lots of chiefs, but whoever they are, hail them. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you oh, going to do were the done. Turley stuff? I, I am done. you weren't done. No, I am done. Oh, please. Yeah, I want you to be done. <laughs> it's also... <laughs> oh, I'm done. It's also Happy National Drink Wine Day, which you, you could celebrate President's please. Day and that today. Are you kidding? So is every day. Although, man, my weight was up again this weekend. Cutting down on the wine. Got to cut down. Cutting down. Okay. I'm cutting down. You talking to me or you? Cutting down over here. Okay. 
A couple of things I do want to talk to throughout the day. There is a big book coming out on Thursday. One of your... um, This might be the most in-depth look at the Catholic priest sex scandal. All right. That has yet occurred. And uh, and, uh, so I've got some of the stats from that book and some discussion on that. You know... And we ought to touch on the defrocking of old McCarrick. Yeah, and I know where McCarrick is, which fits into the story, which is kind of interesting, which most people don't know or don't pay attention to, but it's kind of interesting on its own. Also, Maureen Dowd with an article, similar topic, unfortunately, The King of Pop and Perversion, all about that Michael Jackson documentary. Oh, yeah. And she lays out, why are we treating him differently than we treat other people who do these same things because he, we like his music, mm. which is a pretty decent question. Well, it could be argued we're not treating him like anything. He's dead. Yeah. But uh, why did we treat him right. differently? Right. Well, yeah. Because he was unconvicted. But more on that to come. Um, Jonathan Turley is uh, one of your TV lawyer guys. He's a highly respected uh, constitutional scholar. Absolutely. Yeah. And you see him on the cable channels all the time. And he's making an argument why he thinks Trump's going to win this legal battle on declaring it a national emergency. Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, if my fellow citizens want to go to hell, I'll help them. It's my job. Some people agree with that theory of what a judge should do, and some people don't. In other words, hey, if y'all voted for this and this is the law of the land, okay. Other judges feel like, no, 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 no. We, we need That's not good for people. We need to figure out a way to stop that from happening. Right, yeah. He he was expressing the limited role of courts and challenges to federal law. It's not the task of judges to sit as a super legislature to question the agendas of the political branches. They will gladly send Congress to hell. It only needs to point to the destination. In the matter of the border wall, Congress could not have been more clear where it was heading. It put itself on the path to institutional irrelevancy, and it has finally arrived. I do not agree there is a national emergency on the southern border. But I do believe President Trump will prevail. The crisis is not the making in the make. The crisis is not the making of Donald Trump. This is the making of Congress. For decades, Congress frittered away control over its authority, which we've been talking about for a long time, including the power of the purse. I've testified before Congress, warning about the expansion of executive power, power, and the failure of Congress to guard its own authority. The two primary objections have been Congress giving presidents largely unchecked authority and undedicated money. The wall funding controversy today is a grotesque result of both of these failures. Mm. And a lot of people on the right and left, but mostly on the right, I think, have been talking about this for a long time. Whether it's the war powers or power of the purse or dealing with immigration, if you don't deal with it, and in, and with immigration, you've got a couple of cases in recent memory where both powers, both parties had all the power to take this on and just didn't. Right. Just didn't. Right. For reasons we've discussed many times. When the Republicans controlled the House and the Senate, they didn't get a bill, a, a bill out of the House that all the Republicans could agree on for comprehensive immigration reform. They just didn't. Mm-hmm. So at some point, the president steps in. So the argument is then that if the Congress becomes so dysfunctional that the president has to move the monies around and, and make things work, then, well, then that's okay constitutionally. I, 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 Oliver Wendell Holmes was a, was a, a bad judge, so never quote him at me again. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's an interesting argument. I. Uh, well, okay. I, you know, who am I to argue with Jonathan Turley? I... Uh, 
I personally think this is pretty overreachy, and I don't think it has a chance. Um, I, I, and I'm pro-border barrier. I'm pro-serious immigration reform. I'm pro-getting control of immigration. I'm pro-doing something serious about the people who are already here. Um, I'm pro a lot of things that, that Trump has expressed support of, but I just I don't think this is one is going to pass muster. I'd rather see Congress have its pants pulled down by the courts I, and, and say, y'all don't do your job. You're a bunch of cowards. No, the president can't move this money around. If you're gonna if you're gonna do something, do something. If you're not, nothing happens. I don't have any idea. I'm not a lawyer, and I have no interest in being one. But there is a prominent lawyer, TV cable lawyer, out there arguing that the president has a good argument, which mm-hmm. just means it's not crazy as it's being portrayed by a lot of people in me in the media that the president decided to do this. How about this? Politically speaking, a lot of hay has been made on this on uh, cable news. The fact that the president said, "I don't have to do this." Right. As he declared a national emergency. It's an odd thing to say. It is a I very could, odd thing to say. I could I could uh, do this. Uh, it would take a while. I'd want to do it more quickly. I'm not sure that's going to be great as that's repeated in court. If I was trying to present my argument for why I need to declare a national emergency, yeah. I wouldn't throw in the line, I don't need to do this. Yeah. Yeah. But- yeah, it's it's a weird time. We someday we can talk about this at length. Uh, the the state of talk radio and and our jobs and the rest of it, because everybody's so polarized and angry right now. I think everybody wants like old schoolish sports talk radio where all you did all you do is support your team all the time and say they're great, as opposed to the more modern. You point out um, we have no power. Um, you know, we don't score enough runs. The front office really needs to do something. See, I agree with Trump on a lot of immigration stuff. I think he just completely undercut himself. I think he screwed himself with his speech there on the White House lawn. Victor some, Davis, of, some of you hate hearing that, and, you know, I'm sorry. Did you see Victor Davis Hanson on Friday? No, no. W- where was he? On oh, no. uh, Brett Baer on uh, Fox News. Yeah. He thought, similar to what you just said, he said the president could have done pretty much everything he's talking about without declaring a national emergency, and it wouldn't have gotten so much attention mm-hmm. and so much, you know, pushback, and he could have just done it yeah. with executive orders and not given the big speech and that sort of thing. He said he should have used the phone and the pen the way Obama did instead of calling so much attention to himself, unless, as some of the panelists pointed out, the point of it is a political move to let mm-hmm. everybody know, hey, I care about this issue, I know you care about it, I care about it too. I'm willing, you know, go to go this far. And for once, you got somebody actually trying. Yeah, which is, you know, that's not the whole thing. That's not a phony political message either. That is a sincere political message sure. to the majority of Americans who want to see something reasonable done about immigration. So yeah, but I don't, I don't know. To Could wrap be. this up for now, what did Ann Coulter say over the weekend? Because she was a supporter of Trump when he was running. She predicted he would win. Trump mentioned Ann Coulter. In his speech there on the White House lawn on Friday. Yeah, in answer to the questions. And uh, and said, uh, yeah, she was a big supporter of me. Now she's off the reservation. I still like her, but I don't agree with her, et cetera, et cetera. Ann Coulter, and I quote, the only national emergency is that our president is an idiot. I don't see that. Well, you can interpret that a lot of different ways. It's a, it's a subtle comment. It's got uh, nuances. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, boy. Whatever. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'd say she's off the reservation, Mr. President. Yeah, obviously she's not uh, concerned in the least about offending Trump fans. 
Um, yeah, he said she's uh, off the reservation. She fired back on Twitter saying he seems to think the reservation is him, not his campaign promises, in quotes. Hmm. So is the Catholic Church either going to get its act together or be forced to get its act together on this whole priest abuse thing that's been going on for maybe centuries? Yeah, I would um, suggest B is a more likely uh, choice. That, among other things, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Remember, as you're enjoying this fabulous podcast of the radio show, you can also get the Armstrong and Getty One More Thing podcast and Armstrong and Getty Extra Large, our long-form interviews, available via the iTunes podcast app and the iHeart app. Or so Marshall is going to have more from uh, Andrew McCabe's interview on 60 Minutes and his book that's out and talk of the 25th Amendment and moving removing Trump from office, etc. Wearing et a wire. And Lindsey Graham wanting to get to the bottom of whether or not that happened. So that's all very exciting stuff. Hey, uh, Michael, did you get that transition music, the new transition music I, I sent to you via email? No, uh, no, no, hmm. I haven't. Too bad. Because I think we're about to need it. Uh, the... President of the Los Angeles City Council, in the midst of discussions about how to deal with an onslaught of rats, actually suggested an army of cats. <laughs> an army of cats. Army of cats. Of course, the name of my new heavy metal band. We dress in cat costumes. But you're really heavy. Pound the music. Oh, I mean, it's really, yeah. And then uh, the end of the show, dogs chase us off stage. It's kind of our, our <laughs> trademark. Uh, L.A. City uh, County uh, health officials said Friday that bringing in cats to deal with the rat infestation would only spread the fleas being carried by rodents. Uh, Dr. Dawn Tarashita, who I'm sure was thrilled to be dragged away from uh, the Department of Health to address the council, said, and I quote, the fleas from the rat would immediately jump onto the cats. And so they they uh, vetoed the whole army of cats idea, which is a shame, because then that would have called for an armada of dogs and probably a core of alligators to corral the dogs. <laughs> now we need to make the transition. Go ahead, Michael. You can start it because there's a bit of an introduction. We need to make the transition to a much different topic, and so... It would be too jarring. We uh, play transition music. Now, Michael, we need to eliminate the introduction in this if we're going to use it. Wow. That's annoying. What is that instrument? It's a, it's a flute uh, or a recorder. I can't say the name of this video online, but it reminds with, it, it, I'm sorry, it, it rhymes with spitty fluting. So this is someone playing the flute along to the AHA classic take on me. Correct. Okay. And was, this, was this an attempt to be good or? Do you have any idea? Were they serious in this attempt? I don't know. Oh, I didn't wow. interview the guy. Oh. 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 <laughs> 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 you talk about it. 
anything now. With no memory of what we've just talked about. On the other hand, I know the, the, the thing is kind of serious, so I'm not yeah. sure. That's probably probably plenty. So I have a feeling before we get to Thursday, when this uh, book about the Catholic Church comes out, um, it's going to come out worldwide, and it's the, the, the New York Times and others think it's going to make quite a splash in the world of the Catholic Church, and uh, one of the contentions in there is that 80% of the people around the Pope in the Vatican, the power structure is gay. 80%. Mm. Um, and that that plays a role in the secrecy. The, the guy who wrote the book is gay. So he's certainly trying to make not trying to make any argument that gay people are pedophiles because there's no science to back that up. But that there is a culture of secrecy around sex. Right. And that allows that the other part. Uh, continues the way it does. That's a story we uh, dealt with many months ago. We got a great email about that very thing. Nobody dares blow the whistle because they're all hiding something. Right. And you and and if you're that high up, your um your whole livelihood, your house, your food, your health care, everything is provided by the Catholic Church. And you blow the whistle, you lose all that. Right. Right. Or if somebody blows the whistle on you, so you've got something to hide. Yeah. It gets complicated. More we need on to that. talk about the Predator McCarrick and his defrocking. Absolutely, and where he's ended up is interesting. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, did top Justice Department officials plan a coup to remove the president? Trump may issue his first veto, and we do have an Anthony Weiner update for you in minutes. He's on the streets, ladies. Oh, uh, boy. And single, as far as I know. And he doesn't care how old you are, so that's handy. Oh, boy. Um, Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. We're going to talk about a new book that's coming out about the Catholic Church and the priest scandal and the whole sex scandal that you're aware of. The Catholic Church still hasn't dealt with and still doesn't take it seriously, pretty obviously. Um, There's a nun scandal breaking, like at the same time. It's been going on forever also. Right. These nuns that have been abusing women all these years. And there's way more nuns than there are priests. It's, yeah, it's really sickening. It's Man. a culture of secrecy. Whew. Around sex. Right. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe saying in a 60 Minutes interview that aired last night that a, quote, crime may have been committed when President Trump fired FBI Director James Comey in May of 2017. After the firing, the case with, with said, Scott Pelley not mentioning at all that the president can fire the FBI director for any reason. That's just his right. He gets to do that. And plenty of legal scholars think there's no way he could obstruct justice by firing the FBI director, given the fact that he can fire him for any reason. But they didn't mention that in the 60 Minutes interview, which I find very interesting. After the firing, McCabe said Justice Department officials were discussing the possibility of invoking the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office. Over something that quite possibly, according to a lot of my favorite legal eagles, don't think is a problem. You're going to remove the president. That's a coup, because that's just like your opinion, man. Right. God, that's that's crazy talk. McCabe claims he and Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein had those discussions in 2017. Rod raised the issue and discussed it with me in the context of thinking about how many other cabinet officials might support such an effort. Wow. Rosenstein was actually openly talking about whether there was a majority of the cabinet who would vote to remove the president. That's correct. Counting votes. 
So he says Rosenstein brought it up. He initiated the conversation. That's something. No matter, no wonder uh, Rosenstein's denying it so forcefully. He is a coup plotter. Well, and then uh, I mean, because if you believe the president was under the the, the the you know the influence, the control of way. Putin, yeah. right? Exactly. You'd immediately go to impeachment. Well, and then so McCabe says he goes to the FBI's legal counsel, goes to their office, and says, "Yeah, the Rosenstein, the AG over there, is talking about the Twenty Fifth Amendment." And Pelly says, How, what was your reaction to that? And he said, well, once he got up off the floor from his heart attack, he said, no, nah, I don't think we're going to do that. Right. But So, yeah, that's crazy talk. And the fact that the everybody, including Scott Pelly in 60 Minutes, only approaches it from a standpoint of, wow, Trump was so bad you had to do this, as opposed to, what the hell were you thinking? You were going to try to remove the president? Right. Doesn't that seem a little extreme? A little to hell with the electorate-ish? Scott Pelley also responding to what McCabe was saying. What seemed to be coursing through the mind of the Deputy Attorney General was getting rid of the President of the United States. Well, one way or another. I can't confirm that, but what I can say is the Deputy Attorney General was definitely very concerned about the President, about his capacity, and about his intent at that point in time. About his capacity. How did he bring up the idea of the 25th Amendment to you? Honestly, I don't remember. He, it was just another kind of topic that he jumped to in the midst of a, 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 of a wide-ranging conversation. Seriously? Have you, <laughs> just yeah. another topic? Yeah. How about them nationals, huh? Bryce Harper, am I wrong? So what about the 25th Amendment and the president? You think we can get rid of them? Boy, the cherry blossoms are pretty. So beautiful. So it just kind of popped up and then went away. So okay, you got it's interesting. So you got yeah. a known liar in McCabe, right? Yeah. He was booted out by his own people for lying. Yes. That, and so I was looking for things that ring true or don't ring true. That didn't ring true to me. You don't remember. I don't remember in, in what manner he brought it up. Mm. What would be one of the most? To be like you don't remember when your husband said to you, "I want a divorce." Right. You don't it remember just how came it came up in the midst of other conversations. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be part of the first time in our nation's history getting together and throwing the president out of the office. Holy crap. You don't really remember how that came up. That just sounded like something a liar says to me. I, I, they, yeah. There's plenty of other stuff in there that sounded very believable to me. But that part, just was I, I found that weird. White House Senior Advisor Stephen Miller signaled President Trump will use his first veto to override Congress if lawmakers vote against his declaration last Friday of a national emergency along the border with Mexico. Miller on Fox News. Will the president veto that, which would be the first veto of his presidency? Well, obviously the president is going to protect his national emergency declaration, Chris. There's no threat. Oh, yes, he will veto? He's going to protect his national emergency declaration guaranteed. Some Republicans joining Democrats in criticizing Trump's emergency declaration, which gets around Congress refusing to approve money to build a wall by shifting billions of dollars that had been allocated for military construction. By the way, if you didn't see the 60 Minutes interview with McCabe, it's worth watching. It's very long. It's two parts. It's, it's a longer interview than they regularly do on 60 Minutes. And the, if McCabe is telling the truth about this, the president said some pretty harsh things about McCabe's wife, which would make you angry enough to want to go pretty far in bringing down the president, including lying. Perhaps. Yes. Yes. He's also got the legal thing of he's trying to get his pension back. Sure. 
Yeah, it's difficult to know. I have a feeling people will choose sides based on which side they're already on, on McCabe. But yeah, yeah, the president uh, allegedly said to McCabe, ask your wife what it feels like to be a loser because she lost an election for the state senate, I guess. You know, the woman's an accomplished pediatric emergency room physician. And McCabe uh, didn't like the idea, didn't take your wife's a loser very well. In fact, he's really, really angry. I would be. Yeah. Former Congressman Anthony Weiner released from prison, freed a few months early because of good conduct. Free Weiner. Because of good conduct. Weiner's out. From his 21-month sentence that began in uh, 2017 for having sexual conversations online with a 15-year-old girl. You can't do that. 54-year-old New York. Hey, hey, Ryan Adams, you can't do that. What? Wait, what? 54-year-old New York Democrat now in the custody of a residential reentry program in Brooklyn. It's in a halfway house. Yes. Yep. So he's got it halfway out or what? And, uh, wow. Hey, and, uh, just cut it out, Anthony. And uh, Anthony Weiner says he was a very sick man at the time. So, Oh, he's healed now. Thank God. Under the terms of his sentence, Weiner's going to have to register as a sex offender and spend three years on supervised release. Anthony Weiner is now out of jail. Does he try to make yet another comeback? He probably doesn't have any money. Puma no, dumped him. I think he's just really, really, really a joke at this point. Well, he's got to have no money. I'm I'm guessing his legal bills were pretty high. Oh, yeah, he's broke. He's got to be broke. Um, I'm reminded of that, uh, the blackface skit on Saturday Night Live a week ago. Sitting there with his parole officer. What if I am texting with a 15-year-old and I show her my bare hiney? Anthony! (laughs) Anthony, listen to me. No! Don't text with teenagers! Anything! All right. What if I'm, like, naked, but there's a towel in front? Anthony. <laughs> Does he reoffend? That's the question. Long-term bet. I, nobody knows for certain, but I am of the belief that you can't really fix people who've got the sexual kink thing. Whether you're a pedophile or whatever. Is it like alcoholism? You can take it one day at a time? I don't know. I will not show my crank to anyone today. He's he's got a compulsion yep. with the stakes incredibly high, and he couldn't stop himself. Right? He's got he's got nothing at stake now. At a time when he had a lot to lose, he couldn't stop himself. Now he's his got wife, his child, his career. Right? Now he's got very little to lose. Right? There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. I think he's going to be whatever that guy was on the corner in San Diego that one time. Day after he gets out of the halfway house, oh. he's standing on the corner, pants around his ankles. Right. That's what I think is going to happen with Anthony right. Weiner. According to Chris Christopherson, <laughs> uh, freedom's just another name for nothing left to lose. Right. So he's free. Yep. Free to, well, do what he does. <laughs> do, as, a, as only he can do it. Do, <laughs> do what he does. If you've never seen that documentary about Anthony Weiner, I still have not. It's one of the best things out there. It's fascinating to see it all just crumble around them. Oh, yeah. It's fascinating politically. It's fascinating looking at their marriage because they got cameras in the kitchen as they talk about it at night. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's <laughs> unbelievable. I'm so uncomfortable even hearing about that. <laughs> wow. Squirm <laughs> worthy. Every once in a while, a book comes out really makes waves. This book about the Catholic Church coming out Thursday might really make some waves. I sure hope so. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Holy- 
Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of, of the nation. Referred to as the Lavender Mafia, that's the the gay power brokers around the Pope in the Vatican hmm. that um, keep any serious investigations into all kinds of sexual behavior from happening. Which uh, is one of the, is well is not one of the reasons. It's the reason why this pedophilia priest problem has never been dealt with seriously or looked at seriously is because so many people are gay at high levels. That's also the sort of thing you get kicked out of the Catholic right. Church for, so you, you can't... You so can't. if I'm taking kickbacks, I'm not going to blow the whistle on you embezzling. Right. Simple as that. There's this new book huh. coming out uh, in most of the world. It's going to be called Sodoma, as in Sodom, uh, in wow. Western Europe in different languages. But in the United States, it's going to be called In the Closet of the Vatican. And it comes out on Thursday. It's written by a French journalist named Martel, who is gay, it's worth pointing out. His 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 thing is that he's not a right wing uh, Catholic trying to root gays out of the church. Right, uh, is not his goal. It's it uh, has a number of bombshells. It includes the claim that about eighty percent of the male Roman Catholic clergy members who work at the Vatican around the Pope are gay. Eighty percent. It contends that the more showily homophobic a Vatican official is, the more likely he belongs to that crowd, mm. and that the higher up the chain of command you go, the more gays you find. And they aren't celibate by a long shot, most of them. Right, I've heard that, too. Boy, yeah. so it's 80% in total, and the higher you go up the chain of power, the more? So, you, you mean, there's not much room between 80 and 100%. You know, it's, it's notable, Jack, that we received a long and detailed email from uh, a, uh, a friend of the show from way back about a specific diocese in an American city, and it was practically, phrase by phrase, exactly what you're saying about this book. Do you know what um, uh, what group it was? Jesuits, Dominicans, whatever. Do you remember? Oh, gosh. Your particular order? No, I don't. Because there's uh, Andrew and Sullivan. I don't want to guess. Andrew Sullivan, who's a conservative, uh, gay commentator, writer, wrote for one of your magazines your big thinking magazines, mm-hmm. he uh, he said, particularly among Jesuits and I think Dominicans, it, it doesn't matter if I get it wrong, you know. But it's very, no offense. very high percentage. So it, it changes from order to order. order, to order. That that's, his, that's his belief based on his research as a gay Catholic uh, Republican. Interesting. Yeah. Um, the book explores by this uh, Frederick Martel guy, he says that even the San, even in San Francisco's Castro Castro district, there aren't as many gays as there are in the Vatican. Um, there's, uh, there's quite a few gay fellows in the Castro. The sourcing of much of in the closet I've of the Vatican. I've never counted them, but there seem to be quite a few. <laughs> the sourcing of much of in the closet of the Vatican is vague, and Vatican experts say that 80% is neither knowable nor credible. It's not scientifically based on accusation. It's an ideologically based one, says you know somebody with the Catholic Church. 
Um, what one ideology? Of the, one of the problems is that the Catholic bishops have never allowed any kind of research in this area, says the author of the book. They don't want to know how many gay priests there are. Independent studies have put the percentage of gay men among Catholic priests in the United States at between 15 and 60 percent. Well, that's a pretty wide range. A bit of a range, yeah. But he's claiming that it's a higher percentage. So it's not it's not a long stretch from 60% to 80% among the power brokers in the Vatican. Right. Is it worth pointing out the distinction, though? The, the, they're practicing gays and not non-practicing. Right. I mean, if right. your orientation is, is gay, but you follow the tenets of the church carefully. If, you've never, if you never have sex and never have and never do have sex, you aren't anything. Right. Well, I, I suppose you could be shamed into... Not blowing the whistle because it would be anti-gay. I'm just, I'm guessing, though. In an interview, Martel stressed that that 80% number is informed by about 1,500 interviews over four years and the contributions of scores of researchers and other assistants. This writer from the New York Times says, I covered the Vatican for the Times for two years, and the book has a richness of details that is persuasive. It's going to be wildly discussed and hotly debated. Perhaps the most vivid of double lives under Martel's gaze is that of Cardinal Alfonso Lopez Trujillo of Colombia, who died about a decade ago. According to the book, he prowled the ranks of seminarians and young priests for men to seduce and routinely hired male prostitutes, sometimes beating them up after sex. All the while, he promoted the church's teaching that all gay men are um, uh, need to be kicked out of the church. And you know, wow, wow thing. Uh, there is a big conference coming up at the Vatican about sexual abuse. It's the first time ever that the Pope has summoned the presidents of every Catholic uh, bishops conference around the world to come discuss this topic. The, the, the reviewer in the New York Times is concerned that the book um, uh, conflates being gay with preying on kids too much and that that'll be a problem. The author says he's trying to make the point that there's just a culture of secrecy around sex and it's all tied together. You just that doesn't don't... seem that difficult to comprehend to me. Me neither. You just don't talk about sex. Yeah. I wonder if the New York Times just has to bend over backwards because of their you know, heavily liberal audience. Um, it seems easy to understand to me. You don't have to be anti-gay to understand that if I'm violating one huge church law, I'm not going to blow the whistle on somebody violating a different one. So Even if perhaps I'd like to. It's got to be an anguished place to be. So you got the highest per- person ever in the history of the Catholic Church that has been uh, put down by this whole scandal that happened on, was it this Friday or last, the Friday Defrocked. before? I think it was Friday. Cardinal McCarrick, who if you follow the news... He used to be on Meet the Press with Tim Russert, jeez, every Christmas, every Easter. He was like the Catholic oh, yeah. in the U.S. Cardinal McCarrick. For the he is, media. He has been with, I don't know how many different presidents I've seen his picture with. He was the media's cardinal. And he was just a smiling old grandfatherly guy who would seem uh, molested and or raped children and uh, was pressuring seminarians who were grown-ups, but into uh, situations where if you weren't going to go along with it, you weren't going to become a priest. Right. He would use the seminary as his own private sex farm for young men. Yep. And the Pope forced him to resign. Right. That's the first bishop defrocked like that. And he's high up. He's a cardinal with, I mean, he could get the Pope or, on the phone. Cardinal, yeah. yeah he's a, he could get the Pope on the phone anytime he wanted to. He's a trusted close advisor of the Pope. And apparently he, he is so far over the line they made him step down. So where does he turn up? And I find this an interesting part of the whole thing. This wouldn't make news anywhere except for I know this little town of Victoria, Kansas. I went to a little town for college. 
town called Hayes, 17,000 people. Not far outside of that town is an even tinier town of like 900 people called Victoria. Hmm. That has a giant Catholic church there called the Cardinal of, or the uh, Cathedral of the Plains. An enormous structure. Huh. I've been to many a wedding and funeral and shindig at that enormous church. He is now living, living this uh, Cardinal McCarrick, in that tiny little town on the church's dime. He gets to live out the rest of his life in the little uh, little house that they have next to that giant cathedral. Lifetime sexual predator. Lifetime sexual predator, probably raper of children, gets to be supported into his uh, the rest of his life. And do you think it's just an accident that they picked this? I mean, this is the middle of nowhere that I just happen to be from that I know of it. Right. Uh, it was made the local papers there. I think it's an accident that they put him there. They just they just hide their abusers. In tiny little towns. And as far as I know, he's not under lock and key, so he's an old man. He's almost 90. I don't think he's probably going to do anything. But he's out to wander the streets. Well, that's like if the record company was supporting R. Kelly for the rest of his life. Isn't that crazy? Why are you doing anything for him? This is what they've been doing forever, and now they're still doing it. You move them to some different town where nobody knows who they are, hopefully, and you hide them. Wow, so if a guy is uh, has been so horrific throughout his life that you have to defrock him as a cardinal, first time ever? But we'll support you for the rest of your life. You can live on our dime at our place. No problem. That says it all. Isn't that amazing? And I guess the locals are pretty unhappy about it. I would be. Wow. You are listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.